Welcome to the VoxGig Podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com slash podcast. All right, let's get started. Today, I'm speaking to Kelly Moore, who switched careers into DevRel via the path of technical writing. Kelly has a whole bunch of insights into how to understand what your developers are doing and the essential advice that your documentation should allow immediate feedback right there in the docs themselves. And if you're not doing that, you are missing out on essential understanding of your user base. If you're like most developer advocates, and I include myself in that, you might be a little unstructured in your approach. Kelly is a great example of deeply structured thinking, which we could all benefit from. Okay, let's talk to Kelly. Kelly, welcome. It's great to have you on the Fireside with BoxGig podcast talking about developer relations. How are you today? Hi, Richard. Thanks for having me. I am wonderful. Awesome. So, very good. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you're in a slightly warmer part of the world than I am, so I'm a little bit jealous. Uh, you have been a technical writer, a technical evangelist, developer advocate, um, kind of covered all the bases in developer relations. Uh, and for a lot of people who look at those roles, sometimes they wonder how how do you get started? How do you how do you get into those roles? Right? You have to be able. Do you have to have a wonderful public speaking ability from day one? Um, hmm. So I think it would be interesting, maybe, just to talk about uh, your 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 kind of career history. I guess how you ended up in this role. Did you choose it deliberately? Did it choose you? Um, I start wherever you. I mean, start wherever you like. Right. Start. Start at age three or start, start after college or start the, the first kind of DevRel job? Yeah, sure, thanks. Um, so I think uh, I landed in DevRel. It was happenstance. It, was, it wasn't it was intentional. I didn't even know what developer relations was. Um, what, what happened was uh, when I was in software engineering boot camp, I... Um, I just started to write technical articles on what I was learning and I was publishing them on Medium and eventually uh, the technical publications on Medium would ask me if they could feature whatever it is that I wrote on their publication. And then it kind of became a side gig where I would write for the publication and get a little bit of money out of it all while I was still um, studying, studying at the boot camp. And uh, when it came time for me to graduate and, and find a, a full-time role, um, I was intentionally trying to leverage all of my previous experiences and, and you know, new, newly, newly learned skills um, with, with what's going to happen next. And for me, that was um, one teaching because I used to be a teacher to banking because I used to be a, a banker um, and then three software engineering. Uh, so, so what does that all equal to? Um, well, I, I guess that equals to developer advocate at a FinTech company. Right, um, right. Because, yes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> because I already speak the language. I already know the laws and regulations. Um, I'm already kind of a, a part of the of the culture in that sense, and then now I'm also a software engineer who knows how to write. 
Um, so that's how I learned my, and that's how I um, landed my first developer advocate role. Yeah. So, okay. So you can do Excel, you could balance, literally do a balance sheet and get it to actually balance. Plus you could code. Yeah. But, but that's not exactly what I was doing, doing at the bank. There's, there's actually a lot of um, different laws and, and regulations. And there are so many that, that goes into banking, um, especially if, if you're a branch manager, it's, it's your obligation to make sure that none of your tellers um, miss out on any kind of forms that's going to get you in trouble with the feds. Um, so, hey, attention so to keeping, detail is good software, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, so, so just keeping those types of things in mind. Um, and all of those uh, rules and uh, jargon and terminology, they, they all transfer back to um, the, the fintech industry. So just because they're not a, a brick and mortar type of bank, they still have to abide by the same laws and regulations as uh, Goldman Sachs or Bank of America. Do you think it's necessary to have uh, additional experience outside of software development to bring something more to the developer relations role? So uh, a lot of people who start off as, as writers and end up doing technical writing and then become developer advocates. Uh, but you have a bunch of domain experience in the finance mm -hmm. finance industry. Uh, does that help only specifically with fintech roles, or does it help in general? Um, so, so with me, I narrowed it down that way so I can reduce the competition for myself. Yeah, yeah. So, so what what do I have that I know? You know, not many people have. Well, I have those three things. Yeah. I have teacher. I have banker. I have software engineer. So, so what can I, you know, what what can I uh, apply that to? Um, in terms of is it is it necessary to to have a different set of backgrounds before breaking into uh, dive raw? I don't think so, but I think that it can only help you. Um, right. So, for uh, uh, as an example, and this isn't a this is not a, a dive raw example. It's just a, a general tech example. Um, I mentored, um, a, a peer of mine when I went to Correlation One, which was, by the way, the, the best education I've ever received in my life. Um, it was a, a data science type of boot camp taught by, uh, Professor Natesh, who's a, a Harvard professor and, and statistician. Um, but, but anyway, my, the, this peer, she was from Brazil like me, and, yes. um, she had a lot of background and, um, the automotive industry and you know she she asked me you know i have all, all this experience in automotive and now i'm learning data science what can i do with this is this is this even valuable should i even keep this on my resume and i'm like yeah you should oh, yeah. you can apply sure, to right. four you could you can apply to yeah. you know all these companies and now she's a data analyst at tesla of course um, that's yeah. like <laughs> exactly where you need to be right exactly <laughs> and they just need hundreds of them wow okay yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's so us like pure software devs. I did I studied mathematics, mm -hmm. but ended up working building websites straight away, um, and that's all I've ever done. Right, so it's kind of yeah. I mean, and people people like me who've done that tend to tend to end up building like dev tool startups and that type of stuff, right? Because we, mm -hmm. we can't go out. We 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 don't know how to go outside that domain. It's interesting that you mentioned fintech uh, because I came across a great example of developer relations in fintech recently. Uh, are you familiar with a startup called ModernTreasury.com? Mm 
Yes, I am. I think they're actually a, a YC company. I, I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. I tend to follow those companies a lot because they are the obviously yes, you know, the, the change makers in society. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I'm familiar with them. I think I actually got headhunted um, by them a, a couple of years ago when I was still in, in fintech. But yeah, it's a great company. Yeah, yeah. So they seem they have this really great uh, content production engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, about a year ago, I was working for clients, and I actually needed to build uh, a ledger. Right, it's, it was a consumer fintech application, and we needed to build a little ledger, right? So double entry bookkeeping, the whole thing. It was for mm-hmm. reward points. Um, and you know, I had I studied high school accounting. Um, never managed to get a balance sheet to actually balance in an exam. <laughs> I got close, but you know, accruals. Nah, I could never handle accruals. Uh, but Modern Treasury published uh, a series of articles on how to implement a banking application, mm-hmm. uh, which is an absolutely wonderful resource. Now, I don't particularly need their uh you know full-blown apis but if a client in future comes to me with that type of application they are the people that i'm going to go to for sure because they have uh delivered this amazing developer focused content Mm -hmm. um and it just gives me such good vibes that yeah i mean those those are the guys i'm gonna do business with because they clearly care about developers we're not talking, you know, a thousand word article. We're talking, I think that must be simple, straight to the point. Yeah. Uh, the, the grandma test, as, as Maria said yesterday. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, that's for me, that's kind of like the, the power of, of developer relations is that you can sort of form a relationship, even if you aren't speaking to someone. I, I mean, have mm-hmm. you experienced anything like that yourself? Could, have you seen that, that, that in action? Have I seen uh, straightforward t- tutorials like that? Yeah, and, and then the effect of them that, you know, somebody is saying to you, oh, I read it six months ago and it really helped me at the time. And maybe you think of you guys now, right? Oh, I actually haven't. I okay. actually haven't. Um, yeah, so so I think when when, when you're in the nitty gritty of it all, you're, you're only focused on your own particular product that, that you're trying to convey to the customer. Um, and if it works, then they launch quickly. If it doesn't, then uh, you, you right. need to okay. improve your doc, improve your docs, create a tutorial, uh, the, the things like that. Um, what what I tend to do is um, this was something that I took from Cassidy Williams, which who was actually uh, the director of DevRel at Nellify a couple of years back. She did something with her team called using all the parts of the buffalo. So first, what she would do is. Um, build a sample app on github open source it then create a concept article and i think that's where the grandma test comes in where right. you're, you know you're explaining yeah. what the technology is uh, at a high level conceptually then create a technical article like a tutorial how to with with the code then go on a podcast and talk about it and then have that podcast syndicated on youtube um and then maybe even do a live stream on what you built and have that also syndicated on youtube um, so just having that straightforward approach uh, and explaining it in different ways over and over and over and over again. Yeah, and different through different media, right? Because people learn in different ways. Uh, yeah. You, you you said you 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 you've been a teacher before. 
yeah, that was a, a while ago. A while ago. And, and <laughs> I mean, that, that's kind of a critical skill for for being a developer advocate as well. Yeah, so so this is really great. So let's touch on that. So there, there are a couple of different approaches to teaching. There is teacher to student, which is the most common and the most boring. Yeah. Student. Okay. Okay. There is student to teacher, where you're explaining to the teacher, you know, what you've researched, how it applies uh, to society, uh, what, what you can do with it in order to, you know, get, get your grade. And then there's student to student, where you're working a group project, or maybe you're explaining something um, that you are researching or trying to build to uh, another student who can take that and implement it in their own project. Um, so those are, I think, really good approaches to look at and copy uh, from the education industry into developer relations. Yeah, okay. And they, get, they kind of give a framework or I guess mental models for thinking about how content can be used or how you would, so you're trying, you're trying to think about how the the kind of the flow of information i guess um and is student is student to student effective i mean it's you, you sort of assume is the teacher has to, to know effective? yeah you sort of assume the teacher has to know stuff right or do they sort of co co-discover things oh i see what you're saying so let, let's let's apply this to let's apply those three approaches to developer relations so teacher to student so developer uh advocate to external developer developer client that that's going to be um your tutorials um your your concept articles your your open source project the student to student this could be me as a student um as a developer advocate learning about i don't know um a, a partner client's um technology um and i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna pick on some names here um, and I, I don't. I don't work at any of these companies. I'm just giving <laughs> examples. So, so let's say um, um, I'm a developer advocate at PayPal, and for whatever reason, I want to uh, do an example of how to use my API um, using Next.js. Uh, so then I would, you know, maybe pair program with a developer advocate from from Brazil, uh, who I think runs Next.js. And um, I'm learning their technology. They're learning my technology. We're building something great together. And we're sharing that with our audiences. And yeah. we're, we're gaining yeah. more, more, more audiences. The, the student to teacher would be um, the support engineering calls that uh, we would jump on as developer advocates. Um, so the client developer would maybe say something like, hey, I'm really stuck on this. I don't know what to do. Um, well, what what have you done so far? And then, like we we would we would talk it through. Um, more 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 than often, the you know just having that pair programming session with them, uh, even if you don't know the underlying technology that they're trying to implement um, with your API, it'll it'll get them to to the right track. Um, and, and of course, if if it is something that you know is wrong with uh, our own product or our own API, we'll go ahead and fix it. Um, but but sometimes it's not. Sometimes you know it's it's just them trying to implement our technology into um, 
a, a language or a library that we don't have demos out yet for. Okay. Yeah, because it, it always, you always kind of wonder how if you produced some open source or if you've produced an API, where to have the most impact, right? Because mm -hmm. people expect there to be reference documentation, but then you often find that's that's kind of all there is. Uh, I mean, I've, I've implemented against so many APIs where it's like, oh yeah, it's fully documented. Well, no, it's just it's just reference documentation, right? Where do you where do you where do you even start? Um, and that actually that actually ends up being a bigger cost for the company because it, you inevitably have support calls then because stuff doesn't work, but there's no examples. Um, my kind of go-to sort of North Star metric is you've got to have sample code, sample apps. Because at least okay. with the sample app, I can cut and paste it. And at least I can at least I can get started. Um, and that's for sure. And that's also and a factor. Then, and then also I think uh, even if it even if it's for a language that they're not using, the fact that maybe we have the sample code out there um, in JavaScript or or um, or even in a raw format, they can copy and paste that now to GPT and get it to translate it to whatever language it is that yes. they're working on. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah, which is yeah, super super useful. Um, uh, it, you've worked in a number of different firms, right? Doing the technical evangelist or the developer advocate role. Um, can I see, can, can, could you compare practices? Because a lot of the people that we speak to on this podcast, uh, you find a lot of the companies take very different approaches, different approaches with regard to metrics, different approaches with regard to how they organize developer advocates within the company. You have startups where the, the founders are the developer advocates. Um, you have companies, I've uh, seen a lot this year, right, that are that don't even understand the value of what developer advocates are doing and are, are laying them off, right, which is kind of a bad idea. Um, mm -hmm. But comparing all the different places that you've worked, right, what, is, what are some of the highlights in terms of practices or what, what are some of the, 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 the really, yeah, the really kind of good things that could be applied going forward? So I think, so my favorite way to do DevRel is being as close as I can to the product engineers uh, of the developer tool that I am trying to gain a community for, or tr um, tr trying yeah. to sell. Um, and with that, um, I think it's really important to, if you're starting a DevRel program from scratch, to have that DevRel team as close to those developers as possible. That way, that DevRel can, can learn the technology in a way that they'll be able to explain properly to the audience and build demos for um and and not have any type of blockers uh to their time uh and just and just really focus on um 
explaining the product in a way that the user is going to be able to use and launch as quickly as possible and for them to gain the most value. Um, so that's my favorite way to start. That's not necessarily where I think that role should be forever. I think, um, I think that as the company grows, uh, there's different functions of the dev role team that should be built out. Um, and if the company's lucky enough to have hired uh, a dev role from, from, from the start, um, maybe when they're ready to exit or, um, or even maybe a little bit earlier, then they can start building out um, an evangelist team, uh, you know, who's responsible for going out to conferences, you know, talking about the product, um, doing podcasts like these, you know, all yeah, the fun stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like all the fun stuff. <laughs> We're like bloody hard work, but anyway. <laughs> it only um, looks fun from the outside, folks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... But but with that, uh, they do incur more costs, right? So so yeah. this is where this is where you're going to find the, those evangelists more um, in marketing because um, love or hate it, you know, it is an expense department. Um, which if if you look closely, and maybe this is just my my surrounding network, um, the layoffs that I'm seeing right now is coming from um, dev roles that are housed in the in, in the marketing department. Um, right. Okay. Hmm. That's interesting. But I yeah. don't think that this is. Um, how can I say this? I don't think that. You know th that is the only underlying cause. I think it's it's also important to follow or set metrics for for yourself as as a, a devrel team. Uh, if you're fortunate enough to, to be in one and, and not just in um, some, someone else's department, uh, to, to set metrics that align with the underlying uh, company mission. And whatever that mission is, the underlying mission under that is to increase revenue. Um, and I'll just go over some of the metrics that uh, we went over again yesterday since um, I did the, the community um, stream with you, with you all. But for, for startups, those metrics can be something like, you know, time to first launch. So how long was it taking our customers to launch before and after our efforts? And those efforts can be things like gathering data uh, from the developer documentation, um, through, through feedback loops. Uh, Vercel, again, does a really good job at this. If you scroll down um, to, to one of their um docs you'll see like they have like three or four happy and sad faces and they have a a little uh input box where the developer can can give them feedback on whether or not what they read was helpful for their for whatever it is that they're building um and then um the dev role would would then in turn take that feedback um usually when someone's giving you feedback on docs it's because something went wrong um uh, and then yes. you would you know uh create that ticket and then um, sol solve whatever it is that that was wrong with that documentation, and then and then after that, uh, hopefully you know it, it'll help the customer. And we can also gather 
data in different ways. So like if you're doing a, a support uh, meeting on Zoom, Zoom has the capability for you to gather um, or, for, or for you to, to, to prompt the, the developer with a, a survey uh, after your meeting. Hey, was our meeting helpful? Um, you know, uh, what did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? And then we would take that data and, and improve on our, on our calls. Um, and then co the community forum is also something else um, to to take a look at how many how many questions are we answering over and over again? Um, are we? Are, is it because we're not answering it um, thoroughly? Maybe we need to uh, answer it a little bit better, or maybe we need to create a demo app um, for it and open source it so so the users um, you know ha have an example to to look at. So, so things like that. So just uh, doing everything we can to, to reduce time to first launch. And that's important because as soon as they launch, the sooner they launch, the sooner we get money, right? Um, and there are, there are other metrics like um, obtaining new users um, and that student-to-student -student, uh, approach where I'm a developer advocate at PayPal and I want to do something with Next.js. Um, oh, okay. Maybe we can we can now share audiences uh, by you know doing a, a pair programming um, sample app together, and now we're gathering new users, um, and then seeing um, how many of those users are are returning um, to month and becoming monthly active users, um, and that right there is a metric that VCs love to. Oh, yeah, that's the big uh, one, right? <laughs> how many monthly active users yeah. do, do you have this quarter? Or how, yeah. how many monthly active users do, do you have this month? Um, and then, of course, uh, uh, co conversion rates. So uh, with, with all of our eff efforts um, combined, and, you know, maybe maybe we're doing uh, hackathons if we're at an enterprise company, um, maybe um, uh, we're doing certain events, um, out of all of those new users that we gathered, how many are now paid users? So what is that conversion rate? What strikes me, uh, <laughs> it makes me feel a little bit uh, uh, like, a bit like an amateur is the the structured nature of the approach that you just outlined, right? It's really pays attention to the details and really aligns what you're doing with the, with the purpose of what you're doing. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of, there's a lot of the earlier generation of developer advocates, I include myself in this, who uh, were coders before or startup founders. And yeah, it's just, let's speak at random conferences. Let's go to random meetups. Let's hang out <laughs> in kind of random uh, Slack rooms. And hey, we're doing developer relations. And, you know, oh, I met people and they bought stuff. And I don't know, but yeah, I'm just going to keep doing it. Uh, and okay, it does work clearly, right? Because I, I didn't starve, right? Mm -hmm. But um, I was never able to tell you whether a specific conference was was where I should have been putting in effort. I mean, uh, at one point, I remember turning up to a meetup in Copenhagen, of all places, mm -hmm. and there were five attendees. <laughs> right i flew all the way yeah from dublin Ireland to copenhagen in denmark well 
it's a lovely city, right? Mm-hmm. Speak to five people. Um, so yeah, I, I, I mean, you, for me, what you're advocating is part of the professionalization, I think, of developer advocacy. And hopefully one of the benefits of that is that senior leadership stops asking, what's the value that you guys are bringing, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, the accounts department is professionalized. Their value is clear. Uh, I think it's very important. Sorry, go ahead. Marketing, sales, whatever, right? So, Yeah, I think it's really important for um, all governors to be able to put a business hat on. Um, mm. And um, not not only, of course, try, try to enjoy the role as, as much as they can, but try to look at it from the perspective of what you really are is the field CTO. Um, and the field CTO needs to make money for the company. Um, h- how are we going to do that? Yeah, it's a little bit of growing up, right? A little bit of professional maturity. Um, uh, but I mean, it's it's this is how you make your startup successful, right? As opposed to just it just randomly happened. And uh, keep your job. And keep your job, right? <laughs> In these times, yeah, absolutely, right? Uh, I, 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 yeah, I mean, I felt this year that there was there was quite a lot of discussion around. Oh, if we just, if we could just find the right metric and optimize around that, then you know, then value is clear. But it's not just about a number, is it? It's like you said, it's 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 about aligning the, the activity with the purpose of what you're doing, and ultimately, is a profit generating, right? Uh, which yeah. a lot of coders don't like to think about, right? We don't, we don't like to think about profits. It's, uh, you know, let's solve problems with code as opposed to business strategy. Relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And relationships, business strategy right? and relationships. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. And actually, this is something, um, and I don't know if, if they spoke about this much in, in the bootcamp or if, if you've seen this discussed much in organizations that you've worked in. But one of the things I like to say to our junior engineers is, and I see them. I see the junior engineers doing this. I'm not. Say, I'm not saying it's a mistake. It's just a natural behavior where they have a problem, mm-hmm. and they try to code their way out of it. Right? They spend all weekend coding, uh, or pull all nighters or whatever. And a lot of the times, those problems can be solved by just speaking to people, or walking at- away from your computer and taking a walk. Yeah. Or hanging out with your dog. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's because your subconscious brain can solve problems, right? But exactly. a lot of the problems are not coding problems. They're people problems or not even people problems. They're just, you just need to, you just need to find some mutual understanding. And for most clients, you know, they'd rather have specific things done, not perfection. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of mentoring and looking after junior engineers, you also have uh, a really interesting enterprise, social enterprise, I guess, uh, that you work on called Sweet Trades, uh, which was something I also wanted to talk about because it looks really interesting. Maybe you could talk about that for a little bit. Yes, thank you so much for bringing this up. So I started Sweet Trades um, earlier this year. Uh, At first, it was just, you know, something else that I could do outside of work because um, Right now, I work full time at an enterprise company, and um, I don't know if you've 
I think you mentioned before that you had this experience where um, you were working at a startup and then for whatever reason, you landed in an enterprise and the culture is very different. Oh, yeah. So when, yeah, when, when that happens, you know, you're, you're only utilizing maybe 5% of your skills if you're lucky. Um, so, you know, I really needed to find a way to utilize all my other skills. Um, so outside of becoming a, a data scientist for, for the, the, the U S lab, um, I, I wanted to do something, uh, of my own as well. Um, so, so yeah, so now I'm juggling, uh, those three, those three things, uh, the fortune 100 company <laughs> yeah. as a, as a software engineer, uh, the, the data science role at, um, so what are we talking about? Four, four hours sleep a night, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and, and sweet trade. Um, but, uh, I think, I think I'm balancing them all pr- pretty well though. Um, and so, so I started sweet trade, uh, because, so well, I'll back up so, so it can make a little bit more, more sense and for context. Um, uh, I'm an immigrant to the U.S. I was, I was originally born in Brazil, as were my parents. And um, when, we, when we moved here, you know, um, we, well, I, for one, I just, you know, followed the, the narrative. Um, go to university, get a degree, yeah. uh, have a good job. Um, that, of course, did not happen to me. Um, I actually did have a good job in banking. Uh, while I was at university, but then um, I quit to finish up my degree as quickly as I could. And when I got my degree, I couldn't find a a living wage job. I couldn't even find a job that paid me as much as I was getting before. So, um, yeah. So I, you know, have all these student loans, and I have nothing to show for it except for a piece of paper. Um, I, I joke and tell people that I, I got my degree in left-handed puppetry. Um, (laughs) because that's how useless it is, but, uh, it's actually, it's it's actually in business. It's an HR, it's an HR degree, but, uh, you know, I couldn't do anything with it. Um, so I saw my brother, uh, who went to uni for computer science and, um, at his graduation, he actually had, uh, recruiters from Siemens, uh, come up to him and, and ask, Hey, you're looking for a job. Just like okay. outside graduation, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he ended yeah. up working at Lockheed, but but anyway, um, and you know, six months from from working, uh, he got his house, and you know, he's he's set for life. Um, and I thought, man, I I, I mean, that's that's what I'll do. I mean, I mean, I was already coding anyways because I was I was working um, for for around startups, I, I should say. So I, I saw the benefit of. Uh, the skill. So I was doing things like free code camp, but I wanted to do something a little bit more um, polished with, with a network that I could take advantage yeah. of. Yeah. Um, and um, at that time, I, I was actually going to uh, do, I was doing YC startup school back when um, they had just opened opened it to the public like open sourced it okay it was um i think it was like a, a mistake because uh, i remember getting an email saying that oh welcome you're in and then i got a, uh, another email right after oh sorry that was a mistake uh no you're not in and then um <laughs> the third ma- the third email was like um uh you know what we decided to open source that to, to everyone who applied <laughs> oh man yeah <laughs> so, okay um hey that's like a, startups right? up and down <laughs> But it was it was still valuable. Um, 
startup school was I learned more about business going to YC startup school than I did uh, getting a business degree uh, four years for four years. Uh, so, and, and startup school, I think was only uh, a couple of months. Um, but anyway, at, at one of the talks, um, Paul Graham was there and he said, um, if you're here and you're not a technical founder, your job for the first year of your company is to get coffee for your technical founder. I'm like, okay, I'm not getting coffee for anyone. So, um, (laughs) I ended up enrolling in, um, uh, Lambda School, which is now Bloom Tech. It's it's a it was a YC backed company, so like it was already in, in the network that you know I, I was around. And uh, I did, I actually wanted to do data science before, but they didn't have the the data science on the data science. They didn't have right. nobody had graduated yet. Um, so I saw that there are um, their rate at the time for software engineers landing full time roles was um, like ninety seven percent after graduation. Um, so I'm like, okay, I'll just do software engineering. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, and then boom, um, you know, a couple of years later, you know, six, six figures. <laughs> oh yeah. So, so <laughs> that's, I, that's I, I want that story for, for yeah. everyone, you know? Um, and, um, and I, I actually worked at career karma for, for a little bit. So this day career karma is actually the best company I've ever worked for. Uh, great founders, amazing mission um amazing culture and um you know while i was there of course i of course i enjoyed it but i always thought you know um there's a lot of other ways for people to get living wage jobs that isn't necessarily in tech um and um those are other trades like you know electrician plumber mechanic um and as I was digging more into to that earlier this year, I thought, okay, let me just, uh, you know, start this nonprofit um, where you know I'm, I'm evangelizing these things, um, and uh, I, I started with uh, the, the technology uh, arm of it, of course, because I'm a technologist. But I'm really looking forward to diving into the rest of those trades. I am currently looking for two more board members. So if you know anyone who has nonprofit board member experience, please send them my way. I'm actively looking. So uh, we can incorporate 2513C in Florida. Um, but yeah, so uh, the, the first, my first cohort of software engineers, I partnered with uh, my friend Mario, who's, um, a, um, he's, he works at General Assembly uh, and is now uh, a board member at, at Sweet Trade. And, you know, I asked them, hey, I need, um, I want, I want someone to develop the Sweet Trades website, but I don't have any time for this. I work two jobs. Yeah. Um, yeah, already. <laughs> I'm not, yeah this is my okay. third job. <laughs> yeah. So, so can you, um, can you just send me some, some software engineers that, uh, maybe they graduate and they're having a hard time finding a job because, uh, a career con actually builds like a really amazing, um, workshop, um, um, I think it was called uh, the, the secret to getting a job in tech is to already be working in tech. Um, yeah. And then yeah. I, I, I go into like all, all these details on how, how you could do that. Um, and I, I um, implemented this, this program for them. It was a three month program uh, where they got a real life uh, experience in uh, what it was like to, to work at a company. We did sprint planning together. We pair program together. I let them review my PRs. Um, 
looking back, it awesome. was actually a awesome. lot more a lot more work. Uh, yeah, that sounds like hard work. <laughs> that sounds like an actual software project. Yeah, <laughs> like a consulting game without getting paid. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, it would have been faster if I just did the website myself, <laughs> to be honest. But <laughs> yeah, but it was it was so rewarding. Um, you know, all all of the the engineers that that worked with me landed um, their first software development role full time, paid uh, because of the program. Um, so it, you know, uh, uh, of course. Um, and, and this is this is something that I want to roll out again next year, but um, but I'm very excited to to dive into the the other trades. So, for example, an elevator mechanic um, starting wage is 160 thousand a year. Oh wow! And that, okay, that's yeah, that's like more than hey. what some software engineers make. You know, everybody needs um, elevators. Yeah. Right. So so wow. Um, okay very very excited to to start evangelizing those types of programs um getting them more expo- exposure into um urban high schools that are particularly in urban communities i, I have a talk coming up with um one of the local high schools here and and just exposing these types of jobs to high school students you know yeah because uh, so, so they know the people options. don't even know they exist right that's the thing. They don't. Like, and, they don't. Um, I mean, it's yeah. And this, there are people who, who the type of work that they do, uh, you know, perhaps they're better sorted to actually physical fixing physical things. Yeah. Right. And they just they're genius at it. Right. They're they're equivalent to uh, you know Larry Page writing search engines, but uh, they they fix elevators. Right. Um, but just, uh, yeah, that's amazing because uh, even creating the idea of the possibility, mm-hmm. that's the most important thing. So many people don't even know that these, that these things are possible. Uh, yeah, know, is, I sure didn't. Really I didn't know these things were possible. Yeah. And, and the, the university degree was so, you know, forced down my throat that I thought this was the only way to, to get a living wage job. Um, and I see people still believing this, you know, even after they get their left-handed puppetry degree, they're like, oh, I need yeah. to go back yeah. to get another degree. Oh, I need to go back to get another degree. And I know, I know someone is going to point out, hey, Kelly, you're in the process of getting a master's degree right now. <laughs> yeah. But I just want to say, hey, I'm just doing that because, um, I'm, you know, I'm not in a startup right now. So my, sure. I'm only utilizing, you know, a small, a small portion of, of my skills. Um, and when you don't work at a startup anymore, you, um, it's, it's you stop learning at, at the level that is high caliber, you know? Um, and, and I never want to stop that. So I'm, I'm probably always going to be in school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that I is the great thing. About, startup again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that is the great thing about startups is you get, to, you get, to, you get, to, you get, to, you get to go in every lane, right? In a, in a bigger mm-hmm. organization, you have to stay in your lane. If you try to go out of it, you actually annoy people. Yeah, people get upset. Yes, one hundred percent. But I mean, look, a social enterprise is just is a, is a startup all the same, right? So uh, that's yes. totally amazing. Uh, you yeah, never know I'm where that's going to go. Right. Yeah, for uh, sure. Definitely so learning awesome. a lot, and I'm I'm also learning how much harder it is to get funding for a nonprofit than it is a, a for profit startup. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Right. It's tough. That's it's tough. Oh my god! But that's okay because uh, I don't need that right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, and if um, anything, I can fund it myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, um, look, we, we uh, you know, all the listeners here know about it now. So, thank you. Uh, you know where to go. You know where to go. Kelly, thank you so much. This has been super, super interesting and useful. Um, I'm feeling it's not really shame, just more. Wow, I could have been way more disciplined when I was in, when I was doing kind of developer advocacy. I would have been so more effective. Um, so that is kind of yeah, uh, a lesson learned. Uh, and then the sweet trades thing, uh, yeah, that's super, super inspiring. Uh, so I wish you. A great deal of success with that. And stay in touch and let us know how it goes. Um, For sure. We'll check back in. Kelly, thank you. Have a great day. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgeek.com slash podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter you can subscribe at voxgeek.com slash newsletter or follow our Twitter at Voxgeek. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.